Jesus' birth, yet not at all his beginning, right? That, I mean, when is God born? And we're not talking about the idea of God. We are talking about God who always was. In the beginning was the Word. And yet the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us as the very expression of God in humanity. The incarnation is more than we could wrap our heads around. The whole idea of it, and not merely as a concept, but what if you take that idea of God coming into humanity for you and I, and you actually make that idea very personal. What if that idea, what if that, if it's real, that is going to change everything about your life as you had imagined it up until now? It's going to challenge your concept, your expectations of what is normal and how things are and ought to happen. Well, that's what I call the Joseph Dilemma. So I want us to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew is, well, it's one of the longer Gospels. It's, well, it's 28 chapters. And yet he has a very concise telling of the birth of Jesus. According to Matthew in chapter 1 in verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged, promised in a binding covenant commitment, betrothed to Joseph before they came together as husband and wife, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, to whom she was betrothed, promised, her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, to make a spectacle out of her. He resolved to divorce her quietly, privately. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Joseph Dilemma. Imagine your Joseph. What will you believe about all of this? And remember that it doesn't all just happen at once. Joseph doesn't read this in the couple of minutes that it took us to hear the story. No, this plays out over a period of time, even months. From Joseph's perspective, the question might be, how can this be happening? And in the midst of the stuff of life, you've asked that question. How could this 
be happening? Joseph probably sees his dreams slipping away in those first two verses. Mary had been betrothed to him. And yet before they came together, she's found to be with child. Now we heard earlier from the Gospel of Luke how that Mary is visited and an announcement is made to her that she is going to bear the Messiah. She says, how can this be? Because I have not known any man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The one who is born from you is going to be the Son of God. God himself entering into humanity. This has never happened before. Now that's important for Joseph's perspective. Nothing like this has ever happened before. How is he supposed to make sense of this out of all of his experience? Mary, the one who is promised to him, is now expecting. Add to this another wrinkle in the story. Just after the announcement is made, and, and many believe that just after the announcement by the angel is made, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon her, and she does miraculously conceive and so the child within her already begins to grow within her womb, unknown and unseen by anyone as of yet. But she very quickly leaves, departs, leaves town, goes to see her cousin Elizabeth because she's been told that Elizabeth is already six months along. And she stays with Elizabeth about three months, perhaps until John the Baptist is born. And then she returns to her village and by then, perhaps, this pregnancy is a little less of a secret. She is found to be with child. She's found out. It's discovered. It's apparent to those who look close already in the third and the fourth month. There's some evidence. And for Joseph... For Joseph, this is scandalous. The one thing he knows for sure is that this is not his child. Now, did Mary say something to him about this announcement from the angel before she left? We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But even if she had, that would be hard for Joseph to take in. Joseph doesn't want to, he doesn't see how he can continue with the marriage. He's intending to put her, put her um, to, to end their betrothal, to divorce her in legal terms. He's intending to do that quietly, not to make it a public spectacle, not to hold her out as having been unfaithful to him. But he can't see how he can marry her when she's carrying somebody else's child. We know that Joseph's a good man. He's a righteous man. Because he seeks to do this quietly for her benefit. He cares more about what others are going to think about her and how they're going to treat her than what they're going to think about him. He's not worried about defending his own rightness here. He's rather merciful in her situation. Many would have made a public spectacle of her. How could she do such a thing? He does not. Joseph reminds us in all kinds of circumstances, in all kinds of misunderstandings, in all kinds of situations with various persons, remember mercy. Even God, in his wrath, 
the one who has all authority and every right in his wrath remembers mercy. He's remembered it to you in the coming of his son. Perhaps you've shared Joseph's confusion. Things seemed to be going good. Life was shaping up. It all seemed to be coming together. The things that you had wished for and hoped for and desired, they seemed to be coming. And then there's a sharp turn to the, what in the world is happening here? How can this be? And everything seems to be unraveling or going in a completely different direction. How could God let this happen? Maybe. Maybe God is doing more than you can yet see. Mary's got this crazy story about an angel coming to her, telling her, that she's the one, finally, a privilege that all young Jewish women in her day likely were hoping for. She's the one who would bear Messiah, the promised descendant of David, the one who would not only rule Israel and the world, but who would save his people from their sin. But how can Joseph know that's true? Well, in the next couple of verses, 20 to 23, God comes to Joseph in the midst of his despair. God meets them. That's what God's doing in the incarnation, isn't he? God is coming to us. He meets us where we are in our humanity, in the midst of our brokenness, and he himself will walk through from wee childhood to adulthood to the suffering, the oppression, the injustice, the, the, the slander. And the cross, he comes into our circumstance. He comes near. He comes near to Joseph. God sends an angel, a messenger. In fact, the word angel means messenger. And what he hears from the angel agrees with what God has already said. I don't mean merely what Mary said she heard from an angel as well. No, what the angel tells him, and let's look at those words again. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. Nobody's, there's been no CAT scan yet. They don't know. They haven't had the reveal party yet. But she will bear a son. And you shall name his name Jesus. Means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation for he, Jesus, this son, will save his people from their sins. There's a lot packed into that statement, isn't there? That he is the God, the Lord, who will save his people. This child within a womb, we are his people. And he will save us from our sins. And yet that which the angel says actually agrees with what the scriptures already said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. How can Joseph know what is true? Well, there is a messenger from God who comes to him, who brings him this good news, just like those messengers with candy canes are going to do around this Christmas. But the message that they bring agrees with what God has already said. It agrees with what God has said in his word. The promises in Isaiah that a virgin would be with child, 
the promise in, in Micah that he would come from Bethlehem. In Bethlehem he would be born. And then again in Isaiah that unto us a, a child is born, a son is given, the government will, will be upon his shoulders. He will rule and reign in righteousness. What Joseph has heard, what you have heard, agrees with what God has already said in his word. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is sent, born to be our Savior, one who will bring peace on earth and goodwill, reconciliation between us and God. So Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what others are going to think. Don't be afraid. Can I truly receive and trust Mary? Oh yes, she's been chosen by God. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to accept this child who is not your own. Don't be afraid, Joseph, of can you be satisfied with God's version for your future in the way you, rather than the way you have planned it out. Oh, that gets a little closer to our home. What are we afraid of? What is it that I fear? Am I afraid to trust someone else? Am I afraid about what others may think? Am I afraid, is God really good? And is his way really good for me? Can I actually be satisfied, even fulfilled, in God's version for my future, rather than my own plans? Don't be afraid. How can I know that I can trust God? Because what God would tell you this morning out of his word is what is, agrees with what he's already said. But what will you do? What will Joseph do? This is Joseph's dilemma, after all. What is Joseph going to do with it? And we turn again to those last two verses. Well, I didn't read these before. What is Joseph going to do? When Joseph woke from sleep, having heard from an angel from God in his dream, Joseph wakes up. And as this aligns with what he already knows from the scripture that he's been reminded of, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And then, six months or so later, he called his name Jesus after his birth. In the troubles of life or in transitions, in unexpected turns, I need to decide, what do I believe? Can I believe this? There's a lot of times when you're faced with, I've got to trust God here. Can I believe him? Do I believe God to be good? Do I believe God to be trustworthy? Can I believe his word and in fact stake my future upon it? Can I trust myself to God's version of my future rather than my own plans? Joseph believes God. How do I know? Because Joseph does what God said. Because he believes, he does what God says, believing leads him to obey. He obeys immediately. He takes Mary as his wife. Before things become any more apparent, 
in her young pregnancy, he takes her in as his own. He identifies himself with her. It's still scandalous in a very conservative, traditional Jewish village of Nazareth. I'm sure there were whisperings, everybody giggling and assuming, judging and condemning about what Mary and Joseph must have done. They endured a lot of false accusations because of their faith in God. He took Mary. He did not come together with her. He, he resisted his own desires. Now he is with his wife. Now they live together. He has taken her in to be with him. And yet they don't come together because she's with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph doesn't want anything to change about that. As the virgin is to be with child. And he's not going to change anything about that. And yet he resists his own temptation. She's his wife. They're together. And he wakes in the morning and he sees her. And yet they don't come together. He sets aside his will for this month and the next and even after that because he's going to honor God instead of merely what he wants. He called his name Jesus. Six months later, probably, at the birth he still remembers what God has said. He remembers not only that this is God's child, he still believes the word he was told. He still believes what is in agreement with God's scriptures. And so he still acts upon it in giving the name that God said to name. That this child will save his people from their sins. I love Christmas. But the thing I love about Christmas and the Nativity is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That God would come near to us. That God would enter our humanity. God would even take upon himself the weakness of a child. But I don't want that to be my controlling image of Jesus. I want my controlling image of Jesus to be a strong man in his prime who by his word from his breath could command life and death. And he spoke life time after time after time, didn't he? In healing and miracles. And yet he laid down his own life in death for you and for me. In his strength in manhood, he humbled himself, even to the death of a cross. That's my controlling image of Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Joseph not only believed what the angel said, but he continued to believe. And he continued to act upon it. And he redirected trusting that God's vision of Joseph's future would be better than Joseph's own. God's plans were better than Joseph's plans. But this is not just about Joseph, is it? It's about us. All of us are faced with the same question. What will we do with this child born? In humble conditions somewhere in Bethlehem. There's multiple characters in the story. Perhaps like Mary, we will yield our will to God's will. Behold, here I am, your servant. Use me, God, as you choose. 
Will that be your response? Or maybe you will be like the host in Bethlehem. We don't know that he was an innkeeper. The room is actually more of a guest room in a, in a, in, in a small home. There's somebody in the guest room. The host has no place for these other guests that are perhaps some distant relation to them. Return to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And yet he doesn't just turn them out into the cold, into the street. There's a utility room where the animals are brought in on cold nights and he puts them there. It's kind of like, let me back out the car and you can at least use the garage. That host in Bethlehem would say to God, use whatever you do have in a way that honors Jesus. Will that be my response? I don't seem to have much, but will I use what I have in a way that honors Jesus? A way that honors and wants to participate in what God is doing. Or maybe it's like the shepherds, the shepherds that we heard about. Maybe your response needs to be to go and to see, is this really true? Don't just shrug it off and say, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know. Who can know, really? Go and see. Find out. And once you've seen, once you have tasted and seen that the Lord indeed is good, then you can go and tell others. Then you can praise God for this wonderful thing that he has done. I don't want your, your response to be like those knowledgeable scribes. Remember the scribes that once the Magi had come? Oh, let's talk about the Magi just for a moment. Maybe your response would be like the Magi. They have come a long way. They have come a long way gone out of their way to worship. I mean, some people travel a long way to come here to Brush Prairie. Drive a long way in the car to get here, even this morning, maybe back tonight. They've got you beat. They traveled a long time. They went well out of their way. They reprioritized their plans and their calendar around what God was doing in the world. Will I change my plans? Will I redirect what I will do where I will go because of what God is doing? I remember the song, I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Right? The Magi sound something like Mary, don't they? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. But then there's the scribes. The scribes, they knew God's word. They knew God's promise. They knew what he had said. They knew where to point the magi to. Oh, yeah, if that's happened, yeah, it's probably over there in Bethlehem. That's what Micah says. Out of you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, although you be least among the clans of Judah, out of you will come forth one whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Yeah, Bethlehem, that's where Messiah comes from. And yet, did they go? No. There are the scribes sitting around Jerusalem. Knowing didn't move them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Huh, you heard those rumors about Messiah? Yeah, that's really interesting. Say, what's on TV tonight? And then there's Herod. Foolish and futile in his fury. Yeah, Herod gets three F's here. He tries to prevent God's purpose. He won't yield to God's king. But Herod cannot stop God. Herod cannot prevent God's purposes, and Herod cannot preserve himself or his dynasty. No, Herod himself will die within weeks, probably, of his infamous act 
of killing the innocents of Bethlehem, trying to eliminate this Messiah king whom God safely preserves from him. There's a warning there. We cannot prevent what God is doing. We cannot even preserve ourselves. But that's what Jesus came for. He will save his people. He would have saved even Herod. Had he been willing to bow the knee, he would save those scribes. Had they heard the word and then said, let us like those shepherds come to Bethlehem and see. What will I believe? That's the question Christmas presents to us. Like Joseph, am I willing to believe that what God is telling me is true? Am I willing to believe? Will I dare to believe, even though if it contradicts all of my life experience up till now? This is not how the world is supposed to work. It's not the way I've understood things. It's not the way of the many voices that I've listened to up till now. That's what Joseph's thinking. Nothing like this has happened before. And yet, am I willing to believe what God has said? Am I willing to believe that God's word is true? Am I willing to believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, not merely a good man or a teacher? Am I willing to believe that Jesus will save me, you, from your sins? Will I believe that? Am I willing to believe that God loves me? God so loves me that he came into broken humanity for me. Am I willing to believe that, no, I'm not alone because of Emmanuel? God is with us. He did come near for us. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you. Thank you for Joseph. Lord, a real man, uh, an everyday guy in a small town somewhere there in Nazareth who had no idea at the time of the scope of what God was doing. Lord, to him it was trouble. To him it was a grand disappointment. To him it was really the breaking of his heart. God, in that moment of the most wonderful conception... You turned not only Mary, but Joseph's life upside down. And you did it for good. Oh, Lord, we, we think of him now and his willingness to trust you. His willingness to give up his own dreams for your purposes, which are far better. Oh, Lord, that we would do the same. Father, I pray for those of us here this morning that you would give us the faith like Joseph. You would give us faith like Mary to simply believe your word when we hear it. To compare it with what you've already said in written as we need. So that we too could believe that Jesus will not only save his people from their sins. But Jesus would save each one here. That there's not a one of us that can't also be his people. Oh, Lord, today I pray that there was one who would pray with me. God, I believe you concerning Jesus, your Son, my Savior, whom you gave 
not only for his life, but in his death, in order to bring me back into right relationship with you. God, I believe you concerning Jesus, my Savior. It is in his name we pray. His coming we thank you for. And all who believe said, Amen.